Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome back. Our number two hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. One hour down, one hour to go, and we're kicking off this hour with Carl Calabrese. Carl, this Emerson poll that uh, that I saw uh, come out last week that said, you know, had governor, former governor Andrew Cuomo in it, getting 33% of expected Democrat primary voters. Is this surprising to you? Well, very, very surprising, especially given the fact that uh, just last month, uh, Siena College, in their monthly polling of New York State, um, did not test a Cuomo versus Hochul contest, but it asked five different questions about uh, uh, voters in New York State's perceptions of Andrew Cuomo, uh, you know, several months after he left office. And, I mean, it, to say his numbers were in the tank would be polite. Um, you know, by huge margins, people believed that he did indeed harass women. Um, it, but question, do, do you believe he was, he has been vindicated? Only 25% of New Yorkers said yes. Um, do you believe Andrew Cuomo or Letitia James? Two to one margin in favor of Letitia James. And, and then the big question was, do you believe Andrew Cuomo did the right thing in resigning? 80% of New Yorkers said yes. So you look at those numbers and then you, you take a look at this poll and you know, with, with all polls, Joe, you have to be a little leery because you don't know the methodology and they did not release all of their methodology. They released some of it, but not all of it. Um, so to really get into a poll to find out if it's legitimate, you, you have to look at the sample to make sure it's accurate. You have to look at how the question was worded. You have to look at did they call all voters, all registered voters or likely voters. All of those things can can change the poll. But yeah, I think it was, it was very surprising that despite the very negative perception people have of Andrew Cuomo as evidenced by the Siena poll in February that he would be within, what, four points, a little less than four points uh, behind the, the incumbent governor. It was very surprising. It, do, you, do you look at this as uh, votes against Kathy Hochul more than for Governor Cuomo? Is she having an issue attracting voters in the Democrat Party? Her numbers have never really been, you know, off the charts. Um, she continues to be under 50 percent in in job approval. She continues to be under 50 percent uh, in favorability. Uh, you know, her biggest advantage now within the Democrat Party uh, is that nobody knows her 
opponents in uh, Tom Swazi and Jamani Williams. Uh, but she, you know, she certainly has some, some vulnerabilities. Uh, and the interesting thing about her is, and I've been following her numbers since she became governor, they really haven't moved much, even uh, with the advantage of incumbency. That may change as we go forward and with the budget and whatnot. But, you know, over the last several months, her numbers have, have not been all that impressive. And she's been underwater on a couple of things that usually are warning signs to incumbents. The, the below 50% favorability, the below 50% job approval. Um, and even in the, the question, uh, do you if the election were held today, would you vote for Kathy Hochul or do you prefer someone else? Uh, that's a disturbing number. 47% say Hochul, again, under 50%, and 38% say someone else. So if I'm advising Kathy Hochul's campaign as a political consultant, um, you know, it's no need to panic, but those are certainly red flags that you're going to have to address uh, and change those numbers around uh, just to make sure that your candidate can, can finish the race on the victory side. Yeah, and you know, looking at the primary, Carl, unless Governor Cuomo, uh, former Governor Cuomo gets in, uh, it doesn't seem like she's going to have much of a challenge in a Democrat primary. But would there be something that Lee Zeldin could do to reach out to you know these Democrat voters that might not be uh, approving of Kathy Hochul? Is there a way of the Republican Party to take advantage of a not so popular governor? Uh, sure there are. Uh, you know, if you look just to our east a little bit in the state of New Jersey, a very Democrat state that has a, a history of electing primarily Democrats, uh, their Governor Murphy came within a point of losing uh, to an unknown challenger in the last election. Uh, the one issue Kathy Hochul, I think, is very vulnerable on is crime. Um, she's not willing to address the, or has not been willing to this point, to address the, the bail, the no bail law in New York State. And uh, I, I think you're going to see the Republicans really, really hone in on that and, and make that a, a key issue. And it's a key issue in all the polls. People are, are worried about crime. They're worried about their personal safety. They're worried about crime coming into their neighborhoods. Uh, and so I, I would suspect that will be at least starting off the campaign. Other issues certainly can emerge. But I would think that if you look at New Jersey, um, you look at the crime issue in New York State, you look at the general dissatisfaction that both New Yorkers and, and the American people feel about the direction of the, the country, the direction of the state. There's room there. He's raised $7 million so far, which is pretty impressive in this state, and I'm sure he'll be able to raise more. So, uh, you know, there, there's, there's going to be, I think, a, a challenge. He's Lee Zeldin, assuming he wins the primary. I, he may not. Um, you know, Rob Astorino's a good candidate. Uh, Andrew Giuliani, if, if nothing else, his name recognition because of his father. Now um, uh, Mr. Wilson has come into the race, a multi, multi, multi-millionaire, uh, and that certainly clouds the situation. But let's say he wins the primary. Um, he's an experienced elected official, a, a congressman. He comes from Long Island, which is advantageous to a Republican. You have to do well in Long Island if you've got any hope of winning the state. Um, and he's got, a, he's got a good record. The Democrats are obviously going to try to tie him to Trump, but that's a double-edged sword because for every time they say, you, you know, you, you're tied to Trump, he's going to say, uh, Governor, you were tied to a guy named Andrew Cuomo. You, was, you were his lieutenant governor for seven years. What did you know and when did you know it about all of the sexual harassment and, and the nursing home situation with, with COVID and his book deal? So <laughs> Democrats better be prepared for some very effective counterpunches when they bring the Trump uh, cross out to hang around Lee Zeldin.
Yeah, that's a great point, Carl, because those pictures from those uh, Andrew Cuomo daily uh, COVID briefings, there's a few where he's sitting right there, uh, right next to uh, Kathy Hochul. I'm sure we'll see those pictures in a few advertisements. Oh, no question. No question about it. But uh, uh, I think it could be a spirited race. And uh, as I say, her numbers aren't anything to write home about right now. Uh, Carl, you know, obviously getting out of COVID, it seems, you know, finally everyone has lifted their restrictions here in the United States. Um, but it's March, and again, I mean, the polls drop, and all of a sudden, the restrictions are gone. The electorate, you know, we're looking at a, a midterm election. It looks like it could be pretty good for Republicans, but as we know, people are forgetful, and people, you know, by November, do you think COVID is still going to be top on people's minds uh, when we get to the midterms, or do you see Democrats gaining some of that uh, popularity back? Well, uh- Assuming that this new variant, this stealth Omicron variant, which they're now saying is 30% more transmissible than Omicron, although it's less harmful, uh, assuming that, that that doesn't explode and we're back to masks in New York State and Erie County, um, I think the, the issue of COVID will continue to drop down on people's priority list as we get closer and closer to election. But that doesn't mean that the memories of of the COVID restrictions and the masks and the school closings and the masking of children and, and businesses, uh, you know, people being forced to get a vaccine or lose their job. I think, you know, that's embedded in people's heads now. We live through that. That's not something that you just put aside. I think it kind of just blends into the entire uh, mood of people of being, you know, re- kind of negative and uh, on edge. But you know, if the election were held today, Joe, for midterm elections, Democrats would lose somewhere between the losses of Bill Clinton in 1994, uh, which were, if I recall, 50, I believe it was 53, um, and the losses of Barack Obama in 2010, which were 64. Um, I, I think it's going to be of, of that nature. Uh, and in, in both cases, they lost, I think Clinton lost eight seats in the Senate and Obama lost six. Uh, and so I, I think it's, it's going to be, if the election were held today, it's a, you know, that's a big if, okay? Um, and if the Republicans don't screw it up and somehow manage to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, uh, it, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a wave election of over 50 seats. But again, that could change. I, I would not bet my house on it today because we're just, you know, we're now less than eight months from election day. A lot can happen in seven and a half, seven and three quarter months. So I'll be following it every month and, and watching what I, I have seven indicators that I'm following on how to predict the, the uh, 2022 midterm elections. And, and right now, boy, the Republicans are really in the catbird seat. If you were advising a Republican campaign uh, for Congress uh, or Senate uh, with this midterm, with everything going on, with COVID, as we've talked about, uh, gas prices, I, I mean, you can point to a few things at the current administration. Uh, what would you advise the Republican not to do to screw, the, to screw up what looks like a sure victory? What is a misstep that the Republicans have to make sure they don't do over the summer? Well, <laughs> You've got to stick to the issues that are important to the American people and not get off on all kinds of tangents. Uh, And right now, the economy, uh, inflation, the border, and crime are the big issues. And and that's what I would stick with. And I would not not only pound the Democrats for their handling of these issues, and on all of these issues, uh, when asked 
what party do you think does a better job of handling the economy, of handling the border, of handling inflation, of handling crime? In most cases, Republicans are up by double digits. So I would stick to those. I would pound the Democrats on what they've done wrong, and I would offer good, solid uh, Republican conservative alternatives that people could say. You know, uh, they, they could use the old phrase that uh, of a presidential candidate back in the 80s, uh, Pierre Pete Dupont used to say about issues. And he would say, you want to get to the point as a party or as a candidate of when you give your position on an issue, it's a damn right issue. You give your position, the voter says, damn right. Uh, that's what the Republicans have to look towards doing come this fall. Every position they put out that ought to be greeted with that response by the voter. Damn right. And Carl, you mentioned the economy. And, uh, you know, here in New York State, what would you, if you were advising Governor Cuomo, or Governor Cuomo, oops, Governor Hochul, um, <laughs> Uh, this idea of suspending the gas tax, is that something you think the state should go ahead and do? Well, I, I got a feeling there, there's going to be an awful lot of pressure to do it. Uh, it's a it's a short-term fix, much like the president releasing uh, oil from the Strategic Reserve. I mean, it sounds like a lot, 60 million barrels. Uh, we use almost 20 million barrels a day. So a 60 million barrel release of oil from the Strategic Reserve gives us about three days uh, of relief. Um, and so, uh, you know, suspending the gas tax would certainly help in the in the short run. Uh, would the state be willing to permanently eliminate it? Are you kidding me? In New York State, give up that kind of revenue? Um, and remember, if you if you take it off now, someday you're going to have to put it back on. And you know, politicians don't like to do that. So I think for all of the pressure to do it, there'll be people saying, is that what I just said? If we take it off someday, we're going to have to put it back on. And, you know, senators and assembly members run every two years. Uh, that's, a, that's a short time period. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if she does it. I think Kathy Hochul has proven to be a very opportunistic candidate uh, and governor since she took office. And uh, it would not surprise me at all if, if, she, if she did that and worried about the ramifications post-election day. You know, th this is going to be a loaded question, but you have the gas that's going up. I mean, you look in California, you're looking over $6 a gallon. Uh, you've got the issue going on in Ukraine where the vice president is sent to Poland. It, it, it's it, The way this is being covered by the administration, my personal opinion, is it, it's being everything. If you didn't think it could get handled worse, the next thing is. How are you looking at the way the, the gas situation is being uh, uh, addressed by the administration, by Joe Biden, by Jen Psaki, and, and sending Kamala Harris over to Poland? You know, I saw a video where you had all the world leaders and Kamala Harris. Uh, what do you think of all that and how it's been handled over the last few weeks? Oh, overall, very badly. I mean, let's start with Kamala Harris in, in Europe. Uh, I read an article today, and they called it cackle diplomacy. Um, she, again, she can't help herself from that awkward, embarrassing laughter turned into a cackle uh, whenever she can't answer a question, which frankly is most times. It's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment to her. It's an embarrassment to this country. Um, I read an article prior to her going to Europe that this could be her great opportunity to come out from under this image that she's incompetent. Well, it don't work, okay? Um, you know, a, a real good college baseball player probably doesn't make it in the major leagues. They're just out of their league, and I think that's what you're seeing. A senator from a very very solid Democrat state is just playing out of her league as vice president on the national and international scene. Uh, in terms of energy, uh, until this president begins to reverse his policies on domestic production, then 
I give them a, a very, very poor grade for dealing with energy. You can say, yes, we're not going to import Russian oil. It only amounts to about 3% of, of our um, of our oil purchases. It amounts to anywhere from 40 to 60% of many European countries and members of NATO. Um, America could be providing lots and lots of oil and gas, not only in our country, but worldwide. But from day one, Joe Biden has continued his war on fossil fuels, uh, you know, denying permits, denying leases, taking federal land uh, off, the, off the table for drilling, uh, taking Alaska off the table for drilling, uh, closing pipelines, uh, encouraging banks and hedge funds not to lend capital to fossil fuel companies for exploration. It, it's an all-out war on fossil fuels, and it's, our production is down considerably, a couple of million barrels a day. So until he is willing to open up the energy spigots domestically, this is all for show, basically. And uh, I think the American people know that. And I, he gets very, very poor grades uh, for his handling of the energy component of this international crisis. You know, it's been a it's been a rough first year uh, or first year in a, in a couple of months. And I asked Ken Crilly this, Carl, I'd like to know uh, what you think now. And again, it's a long way away. But do you see it uh, possible that Joe Biden is challenged in his own party in 2024? Yes, I do. And in fact, the, the progressive left of his party is already making those kinds of sounds and noises. I mean, they haven't announced any candidates yet, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I personally don't think Joe Biden is going to run again uh, in, uh, in 2024, which really puts the Democrats in a quandary because <laughs> the normal heir apparent would be your vice president. But I think um, sophisticated Democrats like my friend Ken Cruley have got to cringe at that prospect of Kamala Harris being their candidate. So yeah, the left may very well see an opportunity here if he doesn't run uh, to take that lane and advance a left progressive leftist. And even if he does run, I think they may take the shot. They're may, as I say, they're making those noises now that it's time for the progressive left uh, to, to feel its oats and to step forward and take this party over. Because remember, the progressive left believes that the problems the Democrat Party is having is not because they're too left, too much to the left. It's that they're not far enough to the left. If you listen to AOC, if you listen to Bernie Sanders, if you listen to Elizabeth Warren, they're all, and any member of the squad for that matter, they're all making that argument that the party needs to go even farther to the left and, and really show the differences between Republicans and Democrats and appeal to voters on that basis. So, yeah, I would, I would suspect, uh, and I, I would have to say the odds are pretty good now that they make a move in 2024, whether Biden is on the ticket or not. Could that person be uh, everyone's favorite uh, two-time loser, Hillary Clinton? Yes, it could be. But again, that that's not going to sit well with the left because they, they don't think she's left enough. Uh, I think if the left makes a move, they're going to go with somebody uh, from that part of the party and it's not going to be Hillary. But I mean, she's Hillary, is, <laughs> Hillary and old Bill are making moves now and, and doing things to, you know, if not really go after the, the nomination, at least put themselves in a position where if there's chaos and disorder and uncertainty in the party, 
that she might be seen as an alternative. I, I think it's a long shot, but you know, you never, I never underestimate the Clintons with their ability to play the inside game politically. And, and looking at the other uh, other side, and Carl, I'm, you know, I'm going to ask you this question a lot for the next two years. Um, you know, Joe Biden runs or not? You look at the Republican side. You look at that CPAC straw poll. Uh, Donald Trump still the front runner with 59. percent uh, Are you getting any signs if he's going to run or not? How are you reading this? No, I, I'm not getting any more or fewer signs than anybody else is, is getting. I mean, I think Donald Trump truly enjoys teasing about it, whether he intends to run or not. I think he enjoys putting it out there and watching the media melt down. Um, yeah, he is, he is still the number one choice of Republicans, followed by um, uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. Uh, but he's last, up, last poll I saw... Uh, not the straw poll, but an actual poll of Republicans uh, had him up. I think 40, he was a choice of 47% of the Republican vote or voters, and DeSantis was in second place at 27%. Uh, I, I personally have some qualms about it because, you know, elections are about turnout. And if there's, there's one thing that will increase Democrat turnout in mass is Donald Trump on the ticket. The other thing that bothers me is you know, the, the reason, one of the reasons why Trump lost uh, and the Republicans lost uh, in uh, 2020 was because both independents and suburbanites, especially suburban women, abandoned the party in, in mass. Um, they're coming back now, okay? Uh, independents and suburbanites and suburban women now are having buyer's remorse uh, about Biden and are favoring a generic Republican candidate. Uh, Trump at the head of the ticket may, may remind them why they didn't like him in the first place, why they did not vote Republican in 2020, and uh, set that whole thing back into motion. So I personally am in favor of a younger candidate. Uh, we've got, the Republican Party has a great bench of governors and senators um, in their 40s and 50s. Uh, that's where I'd like to see us go. I think both parties have, have put forward enough people in their upper 70s and early 80s that it's, it's time for a new generation of leadership to step forward. Republican Party is blessed with a number of very qualified uh, elected officials who could fill that bill, and I'd like to see us going that way. Carl, as I always say, I could go another hour talking with you. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Same here, Joe. Always enjoy it. That is Carl Calabrese. When we come back, we will run down the events of last week and what to look forward to this week. It is Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 